Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From South China Morning Post, this is Inside China Tech. Insights into what matters. Come work for us because we are 996. Are you okay? I started Alibaba in 1999 in my apartment. What's your problem? Speed and data. And that's where China comes in. Since the coronavirus outbreak started in Wuhan, central China in early January, the Chinese government has put more than 40 cities and four provinces into different levels of lockdown. The impact of the countrywide lockdown on the economy has the potential to cut China's GDP growth in the first quarter from 6 to 4.5%. However, new tech opportunities and markets are emerging under the pressure of this public health emergency, and tech companies in China are offering help in the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of the disease as well as facilitating the continuation of people's daily life under the lockdown. Today on Inside China Tech, we're talking to two reporters from The Post. Tracy Chu is going to tell us how new technologies are used in China now to constrain the spread of the coronavirus. And Josh Ye is going to give us a closer look at Hangzhou, a city southwest of Shanghai, where a health cure ecosystem is now used to control its 10 million citizens' whereabouts and talk about how effective it is on the ground. I'm your producer and your temporary host, Yang Yang. We'll be right back. China is urging its citizens not to travel abroad as it struggles to contain the virus that has now killed more than 100 people. Tonight, the death toll from that new virus has jumped to more than 700. The coronavirus in China is now blamed for more than 900 deaths. The death toll is larger than the SARS epidemic in 2002 and 2003. As of today, February 24th, there are almost 80,000 confirmed cases of the new disease called COVID-19 caused by the coronavirus worldwide. It has so far killed more than 2,500 people and conjured a sense of deja vu for some who remember the SARS outbreak that started in November 2002 in China. I'm here with our tech reporter, Tracy Chu. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Tracy, compared to the SARS outbreak 17 years ago, what changes do we see in terms of the application of technologies? Yeah, so we can see that China's public health system is still in the early stage of digitalization, but we already seen technologies like AI, drones, e-commerce, and online education helping in China's coronavirus outbreak. Unlike in 2003, when SARS hit the country, now we definitely have more data this time. And although it doesn't mean that machines could replace humans, machine learnings can provide some good advice for the government to, to make policies to contain the outbreak, like when to go back to work and to predict the potential virus mutation. So this is actually a very good opportunity for China's tech industry to play a more important role in China's future public health system. 
So what are the emerging technologies and the applications we're seeing during this coronavirus crisis? So basically, you can divide the technologies that are under use right now into two groups. One is those that are posing a direct influence on the control of the disease. The other is those maintaining the order in the society, guaranteeing people's normal daily life, such as online education and online grocery shopping. So there are tremendous amounts of tech applications involved in each group. In the first group, which includes those are directly helping to discover, prevent, diagnose, and treating the new virus cases. So we see AI companies are improving their technologies to provide high accuracy results when people are wearing a mask. For example, Baidu and SenseTime offered facial recognition models to recognize people wearing a mask or not. This is in order to please people wearing masks in public places. So we also see catching robots are doing meals and medicines in hospitals. So those kind of robots are used to deliver meals in restaurants. But now, companies like Pudu Technology and Shanghai-based Canon Robotics have sent the robots to hospitals to help to ease the labor shortage and also to avoid cross infections. Also, um, China's artificial intelligence startup E2 Technology and Huawei Technology, also Alibaba, are offering AI-backed services to help analyze CT scams to hospitals that are treating patients infected with the coronavirus. So usually it would take 5 to 15 minutes to analyze a CT scam of one suspected patient. But now, uh, Alibaba already said that its new algorithm could compete the recommendation process within 20 seconds, so that's a big process. Right. So since you mentioned Alibaba, just to clarify that it is the parent company of the South China Morning Post. So you're saying that it usually takes a doctor 5 to 15 minutes to analyze a CT scan, but with the help of these AI-backed services, the whole process can be reduced down to only 20 seconds. Yes, so it is very helpful because in Wuhan, there are a lot of patients remaining to be diagnosed to confirm that they're diagnosed. So if they can speed up the process, it is very helpful. Right. So also, China's AI company SenseTime is working with National Supercomputing Center in Shenzhen to provide high-performance computing resources. This is to support researchers to conduct a large scale of screening of drugs against the new coronaviruses. Mm. So these are initiated by tech companies and operated on a local or relatively small scale, right? Mm -hmm. What are the practices we see powered by new technologies and tech platforms on a national level? Yeah, so one of the apps which is backed by state council, China has launched a coronavirus app earlier in February that tells you whether you have been close to someone who has been infected based on the public transportation record, including trains and flights. Right, because in China, if you want to book a seat on the plane or on a train, you need to input your ID information. That's probably where the government got all these information from. And uh, therefore, they can tell you whether if you have been in proximity with infected or suspicious 
cases. Yes. So another program applied nationally is backed by China's mobile payment giant Alipay. So they introduced a national health code to limit the risk of uh, virus spreading while people are going back to work. Mm -hmm. um, only those with a green coat can travel, while those with red must undergo a 14-day quarantine. Right, and we are expecting to see this to be practiced nationwide this week. Yes. The week of February 24th. Yes. Okay. So via these apps, China is obviously trying its best and struggling to control and constrain the spread of this disease while letting people, at least the healthy ones, and the businesses resume work in the same time. Yes, so as you know that Chinese New Year just passed by, most of time it's about reunions and celebrations. But this Lunar New Year was filled with anxiety, sadness and anger, with multiple cities under lockdown, factories being shut down and billions of dollars lost in China's economy. Um, this is partly because uh, more than 5 million people have left Wuhan before its lockdown. So this has made it extremely difficult to control the fast-spreading virus. And this could potentially bring the country's GDP growth in the first quarter down to 4.5%. This is the weakest since at least 1990 when the record began. Right, and just on top of everything, we're still in a time of trade war where the tech sector is a very significant part of that discussion. And we know that China has been stepping up effort into its technology industry and wanted to be self-reliant on its core technologies. So this must be an extra challenging time for China. Yes, so the coronavirus outbreak has turned China into a large testing ground to show the capability of its tech sector. So as we have mentioned, this is not only to give a hand to Beijing to combat the deadly virus from disease prevention, diagnosis and treatment, but also to guarantee people's normal life, because now most of people are advised to stay at home. Um, but they also have the needs of online education and healthcare consultation, and this is all provided by technologies. Right. So tell us more about this category of technologies in use, the ones that are helping guarantee people's normal daily life. Yes, so basically everything is moving online now. This has given a strong push to many new technologies and online services um, because people are not allowed to go outside freely. So many people suffered uncomfortable health conditions need to turn to online medical consulting because hospital is also a very dangerous place for to um, cross infection. Yes. For example, so Pingan Good Doctor, which is an online healthcare ecosystem, the company said that it hit more than 1 billion visits during the outbreak, and their new users grew 10 times since the outbreak. Mm. And what are the other surging demands besides medical services and support? So, like we mentioned that everything in the country is moving online. This has actually given a golden opportunities to online education and fresh food delivery platforms. Right. So apps to improve working efficiencies have gained nearly 40 million more daily active users. And the number of people who are watching online videos and taking online education classes every day have each increased 24 million. Wow. Yeah, so those girls came from a national-wide need to keep life as usual while staying at home. Right. 
So meanwhile, many traditional Chinese schools are now exploring online education options as the government has postponed the new semester. So even some old teachers who have been teaching for years now have to learn new skills with digital devices. For example, they have to learn how to speak naturally in front of a camera, how to use a digital red pen during a PowerPoint presentation, and how to engage with students via online written comments. Hmm. As of February 10th, there are more than 15 million students have joined an online classroom program on DingTalk to continue their study. Also on that day, 600,000 teachers in China have used live streaming services of DingTalk to conduct online classes. So this coronavirus outbreak is clearly one of the most intense and difficult crises China has had in decades. And to China's tech sectors, what are the lessons they are learning right now? Yes, I think um, this is the largest ever testing ground of China's technology industry because 20, almost 20 years ago, um, we don't have like, uh, technology like today, like AI or e-commerce. So many have said that SARS in 2003 has provided a very good opportunity for China's e-commerce companies like Alibaba and JD.com to step in. And in the meanwhile, we can see that many tech companies like robotics and AI companies who um, didn't have the chance to get into the medical industry now have provided their services to hospitals. So that could actually help them to explore their business and to um, help to contribute in China's public health systems. Right. So this coronavirus outbreak actually provides a window and an opportunity for both parties, the hospitals and tech companies, to realize that they can collaborate more closely together. Yes, I think this is actually a very good start for technology companies to step in China's public health system and to contribute more. So we're waiting to see what is the next big thing in China's technology industry because of the outbreak. Right. Thank you very much, Tracy. Thank you, Yang. China is assigning citizens QR codes that will indicate whether they are at risk of contracting the new coronavirus and need to self-quarantine. Millions of people in Hangzhou, the city southwest of Shanghai, where this system has already started, have effectively been guinea pigs for this new system. Some people say that it has introduced both solutions and new problems for life during the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm here joined by our Abacus reporter Josh Ye, who spoke to some of the residents on the ground. So Josh, before this QR code system was released, and it's still in practice on a relatively small scale, how did people in China get around? So the coronavirus outbreak has re-uplanted life in China, right? So in the beginning, you know, because uh, the outbreak really sort of kicked into high gear after Chinese New Year, and then there were a hodgepodge of sort of policy being practiced, on different levels, um, you know, be it county, being city, or even you know, down to residential uh, community. But a lot of these systems, they don't talk to one another, so it is very challenging for people to get around, right? Um, but at the same time, that the, the country does want to you know control uh, the mobility of people, 
So you know that's where this sort of unified system comes in, designed to sort of solve this pain point of how to standardize um, the control of uh, traffic flow. It's also on a digital platform, so it's easily accessible, right? Because like you know, uh, earlier people were like doubt uh, just these makeshift uh, residential in and out carts. Right. So how does this system work? So like the system Hangzhou as constructed um, gives citizens three kinds of uh, health codes. You have the red one, you have the green one, and you have the yellow one. So the red one requires you to stay in quarantine for 14 days. And the yellow ones require you to um, stay in quarantine for seven days. And the green one, with the green one, you can just, you know, freely roam the city. But you have to show your green uh, health code to uh, public facilities and you know, public transit before entering. So that includes all the companies, campuses, apartment complexes, and the government institutions that you are going to enter. You need to use that QR code to be in and out. Yeah. So you see a lot of like police or like you know volunteers are guarding these um, you know public facilities, public transit um, places like that, as well as you know obviously when you enter like a company, um, you also have to whip out your uh, health code to show that you are not at risk. What kind of information does it need to determine the likeliness of someone carrying the virus? So um, much of this system is sort of relied on um, sort of relies on self-reported data. So um, to register for a QR code, you have to put in your personal um, travel history and um, where your current location is, as well as your real name, your national ID. Um, and detailed questions to your health status. So, and from there, the government will work with a bunch of undisclosed big data entities to work out uh, whether or not you're at risk. Right. And uh, so it sounds like there are two parts of information um, that's been taken into consideration. One part is the self-reported information, and the other is the kind of behind the curtain offered by these undisclosed big data entities, right? Yes, there are two part, two set of data that is sort of taken into consideration, right? I mean, on the one hand, it sort of uh, takes your answers at face value, so like a lot of stuff are uh, self-reported. Um, but then on the back end, obviously, um, the government said that it's working with a bunch of big data companies, which they didn't know, uh, they didn't really disclose what these companies are and then how they go about doing their business. And uh, in terms of the algorithm, we do not know what kind of information it prioritizes. Yeah, so like you know, that's where sort of a lot of frustration comes in because uh, a lot of people said that you know um, they nearly really get a red card or a red code or a green code out of nowhere, right? So like we don't know what uh, which set of data um, this system takes precedence. So the government. Uh, through an interview with journalists, they said that uh, it takes into consideration um, the, your travel history, the duration of time spent in an outbreak-stricken area, as well as your, relations, uh, your, your relationships to potential carriers of the virus, right? That's the extent to which we know about this system. Right. So when we're talking about the government issued this QR code system, who is really running the system and the platform? So I think we have to like you know make a separation of uh, who runs the platform as well as who runs the you know this whole service right. So you, on the one hand you have Alipay which operates you know the platform even though it's a payment system, it it is an ecosystem for a lot of mini apps. 
of which um, this gov uh, Hangzhou government app is one of. So this app uh, through which you can get the QR code is operated specifically by the Hangzhou government. Alipay did say that um, the Hangzhou government enlisted them to develop this uh, app for them, uh, this feature for them. So like they were like sort of the IT guys to you know put this thing together um, within a very short period of time. Right. So far, what was the general reaction on the ground since you've spoken to many of the residents there? Yeah, so like the reaction has been pretty mixed. Um, it's quite interesting. On one hand, you get a lot of supporters because it is a dramatic improvement from you know the previous lockdown that are under right because like one resident told me that previously you know according to rules by their residential area uh, only one person of a family was allowed out at a time to do um, to, 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 to go on a grocery run but now it's an improvement because you know like now they can you know freely uh, go in and out of their residential community uh, with a so long as they have a green code but on the flip side you also have people who are um, very skeptical about how effective um, this whole health code system is uh, for reasons that we just talked about, right? Because we don't know what kind of uh, data point um, this system takes into account. Uh, on top of that, um, a lot of people are frustrated with the fact that, you know, like they seem to like out of nowhere got a, a red and yellow code. So like we do see a lot of people complaining. They're phoning into government's hotline and asking, you know, uh, what the deal is. And then um, a lot of people are taking their frustration on Weibo and social media. Right. And I saw it on your article that some people might get a red code or a green code on day one. And on the second day, they might switch to another color. Yeah, there are like cases like that. So like uh, one of the interviewees I quoted in my article, um, his friends, they, they were getting ready to get back to, Huang, uh, get back to Hangzhou because, you know, they had a green code, right? But then, you know, that code suddenly changed, um, so I switched on them. Um, so, like, you know, they had to sort of scrap all their pre uh, previous plans because, because of this, you know, unexpected change. And they didn't know what the reasons behind it are. Yeah, so, like, because, you know, that code just, like, you know, switch on you. Um, there's no justification whatsoever as to, you know, why that happened, how it happened. Um, so, yeah. You know, people are very frustrated because of that. So uh, clearly it's still at a very early stage of the practice of this QR code system. But after Hangzhou, um, are you seeing other cities and regions following suit? Yeah, so Hangzhou is among the first cities to put, a, put together a system like this. And now a lot of the cities are following suit, right? So like you got, um, first of all, it extended to like the entire province of Zhejiang. Um, and then you got like uh, places like Wuhan and, 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 and Shanghai also adopting the same sort of system. On a national level, um, this, you know, this, this becomes important because um, they're working on a national version of the health code, which is, would be very similar to that of Hangzhou. Right, right. One quick question, though. This seems like a system that's entirely based on smartphones and devices. And for people who do not have those devices or don't know how to operate them, are they left out? Um, I mean, it would seem that, you know, because this whole uh, system is digital, that, you know, if, if you, you, you don't have a smartphone, then you're, like, you're pretty doomed. But the fact is, you know, like they have come up with a sort of alternative to it. So like if you don't have a smartphone, you can apply for like a physical uh, card. You know, as in paper card? As in, yeah, it's a paper card that, um, that can sort of, yeah, work as an alternative. 
Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you. By Tuesday, February the twenty-fifth, it is reported that the newly developed health care ecosystem is applied in at least one hundred cities across China. It is expected to be launched nationwide by the end of this week. So that's it for today's show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do rate us on iTunes or subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to your pods. And if you'd like to read more tech stories happening on this side of the world, head to smp/tech. If you would like to follow up on the coronavirus outbreak, head to smp.com. I'm your producer, editor, and temporary host of this show. See you in two weeks. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news: ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.